Good morning. Let's pray. Father, you are God of all creation. You are the God of light and truth and mercy and justice. You are the God who gives us new life here on earth and who promises us eternal life through Jesus Christ because of his death and resurrection. So come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, today. Wherever we are, wherever you're listening to this, come, Holy Spirit, to us. Challenge us. Convict us. Teach us. Comfort us if we need it. Guide us. Lord, we want more of you. Come, Holy Spirit, and teach us of your ways today. Amen. Well, we're in our series, Living as the People of the Resurrection, and thinking about how, how does the resurrection, how does it affect your life? Is it just something, a joyous occasion on Easter Sunday where we sing great songs and you're really lifted up and then you just go back to your normal way of life? Or does it change you in some way? And we begin thinking about how we can live with confidence. Confidence because what the enemy meant for evil, the death of Jesus, God was in the background doing an even greater work than that and pouring out his love and grace on all of us through something that seemed like a victory for the enemy. And we need to remember that, that sometimes when we think things are not going the way that we want, that God is there and he will achieve his purposes. He is there and we can have confidence in him because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the resurrection is something that happened 2,000 years ago, more than 2,000 years ago. It's an event in history and yet it is unlike any other event in history because it has a direct and deep impact on every person who's ever, ever lived and every person who will ever live, including us. So we can live with confidence because of the resurrection. And then last week we looked at living in forgiveness and the freedom that Jesus has given us through his death and his resurrection. We all deserve a penalty because we all rebel against God. We all turn from God and we serve ourselves. And there is a penalty that is due to us because of that. But God, in his great mercy, he sent Jesus to die in our place for us so that we could be forgiven. And when we accept him as Lord and Saviour, we are born again, which is an echo of the resurrection. We are born of the Spirit. When Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, he was very well educated, and he had a sort of an inkling that maybe Jesus was the Messiah. And so he came to see Jesus privately. You can read this in John 3. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus didn't understand. He said, how can I enter my mother's womb again and be born? But Jesus said, you need to be born of the Spirit and Jesus' resurrection is that for us. We are born of the Spirit when we accept him as Lord and Saviour. We enter into a taste of eternal life now 
and we enter into eternal life with him forever. So we can have confidence and we can live in forgiveness because of the resurrection. And today, we're going to look at living with a purpose, being a living sacrifice for God. But before I start, I want to tell you this little story, which apparently is true. It's back in England and Scotland when Mary was the queen. So it's going back a while now. But apparently it was her custom to travel throughout the land to meet the people. And one day they'd gone pretty far out and she had ventured far from all the people who were with her and it started to rain and it started to rain really heavily. She saw a little cottage and she thought, I'll ask if I can borrow an umbrella. So she knocked at the door and a woman answered. And Queen Mary said, would it be possible at all if I could borrow an umbrella? And I assure you that I will have it returned tomorrow. Well, the woman who answered the door, she didn't recognise that this was Queen Mary and she had no expectation that the Queen was going to knock at her door. So she was a bit reluctant. She had an umbrella that she was going to throw out. It had some tears in it and one of the ribs was broken. So she thought, I'll lend this woman that old umbrella, the one that I don't want, and if I never see it again, then nothing lost. So Queen Mary accepted the broken umbrella and said, I'll return it tomorrow with thanks. The next day, there was a knock at the door, and when the woman answered, there was a man standing there and he had this very regal uniform on, and over his arm was her umbrella. And he returned it to the woman and he said, Queen Mary says, thank you, and is very appreciative of you lending her your umbrella. So the woman was a bit taken aback and she started to tear up because she realised that she'd given her queen something that she wouldn't even use herself. She hadn't honoured the queen. Now, maybe you're not a royalist and you don't believe that a queen deserves honour, but this story applies to anyone you hold in high regard. You would want to give them all the honour that they are due. And sadly, this is what we do with God sometimes. We don't give him the honour. We don't give him the place in our life that he is due. We don't sacrifice anything for him. We give him our leftovers. We give him our extra bits of time that are not used for whatever we want to do. He comes knocking at our door and maybe we're a bit unsure or maybe we're scared. And we don't respond with everything that is within us. And in the light of the resurrection, that is what God is calling us to do, to be a living sacrifice for him. Romans 12.1 says, I beg you, I beg you, sisters and brothers, because of the grace of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, an offering to God, a holy sacrifice that is pleasing to him, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable. It's logical. It's reasonable service to give God our lives. Now, Paul wrote this 
obviously under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's an interesting man. He wrote 13 of the 27 books in the, Old, in the New Testament. But he was not always a follower of Jesus Christ. He was a very... He was, a very, he was a very committed man who was totally convinced that Jesus was not the Messiah and anyone who followed Jesus needed to be punished. And he was responsible for arresting women and men and having them thrown in prison and beaten. In Acts 22.20, he confesses that he was involved in the death of Stephen. Stephen was the first Christian, the first one follower of Jesus who was martyred for his faith. And Paul says he was there holding the coats of the people who were stoning Stephen to death. Stephen died because he believed in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And Paul, he condoned that. He supported that action. But one day when he was on his way to Damascus where he was going to arrest some more Christians, he encountered the risen Jesus. And you can read about that in Acts 22, but it was this encounter with the living God. It was this encounter with the resurrected Jesus that changed his life. He went from persecuting Christians to being one of the most devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. And this, Paul's life, it's a testimony to the power of God to redirect us to set us on a different path. And Paul became a living sacrifice. He lived what he begs with us to do. Now, Paul lived in a time when making sacrifices was very much part of his culture and part of the way he worshipped God. And we don't live that way today. I mean, of course, Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, and we don't need to make all those animal sacrifices of the Old Testament. But Paul is talking to Christians, and he's saying to us, you are now the living sacrifice for God. When I was little, which is a while ago now, not as far back as Queen Mary, but we had this day called Harvest Sunday at Sunday School. Some of you might remember that. And we would bring something from our pantry, a tin of beans or a bag of rice, and we would display the produce all up the front of the church. And it used to be quite impressive. And it was a way of acknowledging that God is our provider, that everything we have is given to us by God. But we don't, we don't do that these days. We don't have a culture of sacrifice or giving in our church. We do, we do understand the principle of tithing. So we give God 10% of everything that he gives us. And then on top of that, we would give an offering. And I think that's a fairly common understanding in most churches today, an expectation that you will give God something, 10% and an offering. But that's not sacrificial giving. That's nowhere near sacrificial giving. Making a sacrifice has been lost in our church life today. It's not something we talk about. But Paul lived in a time when it was a cohesive part of who he was and how he, how he worshipped God. 
And people would bring individual sacrifices and then the community as a whole would also bring sacrifices and it could be some grain or your best lamb or your best bull. So imagine giving your best bull as a sacrifice to God. This is the bull that's going to ensure that you have a quality herd into the future and you are giving that to God. This was a normal part of their life. And so being a living sacrifice, it's a bit foreign to us today because it's not part of how we think as being a disciple. Our culture today is very much about what we do, the activities we participate in, our jobs, the tasks we decide to do. And so serving God has now become wound up in what we do instead of who we are. And I want to reframe that today. I want us to question the way we give our service to God because it starts when we're very young and it's so subtle that it's sort of programmed into us. So we ask kids, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm sure you were asked that. What do you want to be when you grow up? And we're not expecting an answer, I want to be caring and loving and generous. No, we expect an answer, I want to be an astronaut or a doctor or an engineer. We ask, what do you want to be? But what we're really asking is, what are you going to do? Because what you do is going to define you. Doing is is what will make who you are. Jesus calls us to be disciples. And being a disciple is following Jesus. It's giving up your own desires. It's being a living sacrifice. It's asking us to, it's asking God to help us to decide what to do for sure. But then you can do anything. You can do any job. You can do any task, any activity. But if your heart is not right with God, if you're not being a living sacrifice in that task, then that's what matters to God. Our attitude and who we are and how we are in the things we do matter to God. And doing the will of God is not something that you just add to your day. You don't go, I've got to get groceries, got to bring the dentist, got to pay the insurance. I've got to do the will of God. It's not like that. It has to be integrated into everything that we do. It is the course of your day. It is the course of your life. And either you line up with the will of God or you are lining up with your own will or someone else's will. There's no in-between. Jesus said in Mark 8, 34, that if you want to be his disciple, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow him. Not a verse that we think about very much these days. But turning from your selfish ways is to put God first in our lives, not second, not third, not optional, not occasional, but first. And taking up your cross, that's speaking of that sacrifice. It's an echo of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, but it's also a call for us to sacrifice our lives. Instead of following what we want, we follow what God wants. And it's understanding that God has a greater claim to our lives than we do because he made us. He designed us. Every talent or ability you have 
every health aspect you have, everything that you have is from God. And God gives us a choice. We can either choose to follow him or choose to reject him. And there's no middle course. You can't sit on the fence with the Lord. You are either for the Lord and following him or you are against him. And I'm not talking about just the time when you decided to invite Jesus into your heart, to turn your life over to God. That was one point in time. And when you decided that, you were actually saying, I'm going to be a living sacrifice for you. You may not have used those words, but you changed from going your way to God's way. But we can can claw back from that decision. We can go off course. We can become lukewarm. We can become comfortable. And we need that renewed passion to serve God. Jesus said, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul, and love your neighbour as yourself. That's in Matthew, Mark and Luke. All, all of your heart, all of your strength. What is God calling you to sacrifice today? One of the things that God is challenging me is about fasting and praying. And I think in my life as a disciple, I've fasted only a handful of times. But when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, he took three disciples with him and the rest were down at the base of the mountain. And a man came with his son who was sick. And the disciples prayed for that that young boy, but he wasn't healed. When Jesus came down from the mountain, He healed the boy. And you can read this in Mark Mark 9. (laughs) Jesus came down and he healed the boy. And the disciples said, why couldn't we do that, Lord? And Jesus said, this healing comes from fasting and praying. Now, Jesus didn't say to the father and the boy, okay, hang on, this one, this type of healing only comes with fasting and praying, so give me three or four hours, a couple of days, I'm going to go away, fast and pray, and then I'll come back and I'll I'll pray for you. He did it on the spot because fasting and praying was part of his lifestyle. And so I feel like God is calling me to do that. One of of my health issues is that it's not good for me to have an empty stomach. So I'm trying to work out how to fast and pray, how to integrate that into my life now. But what sacrifice is God calling you to make? Maybe, Maybe you've never asked Jesus into your life. And this is the day when you say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for for rising again. Lord, I want to invite you to be a part of my life. Turn from the way I'm living and follow you. Maybe that's what God is calling you to do today. Or maybe God is calling you to rededicate your life to him, to redirect from going your own way to go to his way. You've gone off course and you need that fresh renewal of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe God is calling you to give a sacrifice of praise, 
things are not going well for you in your circumstances. And he's calling you to praise him in your circumstance, not for your circumstance, but in it because of who he is. Or maybe God is calling you to give up something that's not right in your life. Or maybe you're in the situation where you feel like you have been sacrificing over and over again and you're tired and you don't know if you can keep doing it. Isaiah 42.3 is for you where it says that Jesus will not break a bruised reed. He won't snuff out a flickering candle. He wants to renew you. He wants to refresh you. He wants to baptise you in the Holy Spirit and give you the power that you need. It's between you and God. What is God saying to you today? Listen to these words of Paul again. I beg you, sisters and brothers, because of the grace of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, an offering to God, holy sacrifice that is pleasing to him. We can live with this purpose because Jesus died and rose again. He gives us our purpose in life. So the question of today is, will you be a living sacrifice for him? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your incredible and undeserved mercy to us through Jesus and the power and authority of his defeat over death. We want, like Paul, to be so overcome with your love that we turn from living for our our own purposes and become a living sacrifice to you. Come, Holy Spirit, we need you to do this. Come and change us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.